This episode of Proper English is brought to you by things that confuse native English speakers, the difference between make and do, and the idiom bite your tongue. Hello, I'm Dave. And I'm Alison. And we'd like to welcome you to our podcast, which, as you know, is called Proper English. English. If you're learning English and you want to know how to answer a negative question. If you get stuck using fewer and less. If you are puzzled by making arrangements to meet someone. Then Proper English is just the thing for you. Now and again, a student gets in a pickle about an aspect of English conversation and we have to laugh. Not because we're mean, but because it's something that we native English speakers find puzzling too. Yeah. First off, talking about things involving time can be a cause for confusion. Mm. Early in January, we might tell someone that we enjoyed Christmas this year. Of course, if it's January now, then Christmas was last year. But if we said that, the other person might get in a muddle. Mm, similarly, last and next can cause problems. On a Wednesday, for example, I might tell you that last Saturday I went to the pictures. Now, to me, that's perfectly obvious that I meant ten days ago. Really? Mm-hmm. See, some English speakers, including me, would assume that you meant the most recent Saturday which would be four days previous. I know, but if I was talking about that particular Saturday, I'd say, on Saturday we went to the pictures. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. The same confusion can happen with future plans. If I wanted to meet someone for coffee in a couple of days' time, we can just say, let's have coffee on Friday. But if today is Saturday and I say, let's meet next Friday... What would you say? Uh-huh. I'd say, do you mean this Friday coming or the next one, the one after that? Oh. We'd need to double-check that we both knew what the other meant. Mm. Mm. Interestingly, my understanding is that other Europeans don't have this problem. And that was problematic when we tried to meet a Portuguese friend here. <laughs> yeah. We were going to meet Angela in Caldas de Reina. That's right. And I'd used the English expression about meeting next Friday, meaning... In ten days' time. Hmm. A couple of days later, Angela messaged me, apologising that she was running late for coffee, and I realised we'd made an embarrassing mistake. Oops. In Portugal, next Friday means the next Friday that will arrive on the calendar. Of course. There's no this Friday or next Friday nonsense. <laughs> it's much simpler. So, eventually, we did make our coffee date. Yeah, we did. And we spent a lovely couple of hours with Angela. Another difficult time one. Do you remember the days when we used to stay up past midnight, Ali? Vaguely, Dave, vaguely. <laughs> well, if we were with a group of friends and at two o'clock in the morning someone said, I must go home, I've got to go to work tomorrow, someone else would say, don't you mean today? Mm, yeah. Do you think those people were genuinely confused or were they just trying to be picky? Pedantic, I'd say. Yeah. Pedantic. Yeah. yeah. Picky. <laughs> now it's time for What's the Difference? What's the Difference? Learners of English as an additional language find the words make and do confusing. But, contrary to the subject of this episode, make and do don't really confuse native English speakers. No, 
Now we use do when we're talking about performing a task or an activity and often it's something unspecified. So you would say something like, don't forget to do your homework. Or we went into town to do the shopping. Or I didn't do anything yesterday. Make is used when we're talking about producing or creating something and it usually refers to the result in the sentence. I'm just going to make a cup of tea. Oh, lovely. (laughs) (laughs) Or... She's always making jokes that aren't funny. It's true. Or, our students are all making good progress. Making something abstract, in that case, rather than concrete. Oh, and in the UK, a party is often referred to as a do. Mm, We're having a bit of a do. Yeah, a bit of a do tonight. Back to being confused, then. Negative questions. Don't you find those tricky, Ali? No. Yes. What? (laughs) Negative questions are phrased in such a way that no is an affirmative, a positive answer, and conversely yes is a negative answer. So, would you mind driving me to Portuguese class on Tuesday? No. Hmm? No, I don't mind. Oh. If you want to be clear, you shouldn't answer with just a yes or a no. How about, are you sure you don't want any cake? No, I like cake. But Dave's asking me if I'm sure. It's like there are two parts to this question. Do I say yes, as in I'm sure? But then he might think I don't want cake, but I do. Maybe I should say no, because I... Okay, okay. Let me make it easier. Do you want any cake? Yes. There you go. If you're confident with English, you can play around with the words. But if you want life to be simple... Try to avoid asking negative questions. Yeah, and if you're asked one and you're not sure how to answer, don't be shy to ask for clarification and answer with more than just yes or no. Yep, good advice, that. Disinterested or uninterested? Mmm, good one. Disinterested is when you have no bias, when you're objective. A disinterested party is a person who has nothing to gain from a given situation. Whereas uninterested... What? Sorry? Oh, (sighs) I glazed over for a minute. I just wasn't interested. Rude. I'm just illustrating the point, Dave. I know. Uninterested means you don't have any interest. Even online dictionaries can't come to a definite decision. But it appears that informally you can get away with using disinterested to mean uninterested. So there you go. Not very interested. (laughs) (laughs) Right back in episode one, we talked about fewer and less. That was ages ago. We'll just give it a quick recap, because it really does confuse native English speakers. Yeah. In the supermarket, you might see a checkout reserved for customers with ten items or less. No! Yes! To be grammatically correct, though, it should be ten items or fewer, but only the Bosher supermarkets use that. It's all about the countable and uncountable nouns, which don't cause problems on the whole for us. This one is quite an isolated problem. Yeah, the countable and uncountable nouns themselves don't really cause any problems, but it's adding the words to them that do. Right, yes, yeah, Yeah. you're right. Much and many, few and less, all that sort of thing. But not for native English speakers. Uh, No, that's true. It's really only fewer and less. Good point, good point. And now it's time for Idiom of the Week. Idiom of the Week? 
Did you ever have to bite your tongue, Ali? Oh, blimey, yes, many times. Did it hurt? <laughs> no, we don't use it literally, do we? Ah, no. To bite your tongue means to stop yourself from saying something, usually because to say it might get you into trouble by causing offence, or it might just be the wrong moment. I do that a lot. Hmm. On theidioms.com, it says that you are punishing your tongue for wanting to do the wrong thing. But do you know what? I've never really seen it that way. No, me neither. I've always thought of it as having to restrain yourself. Yeah. Is it from Shakespeare? Well, general opinion on the internet is that it was first found in print in Shakespeare's Henry VI, Part Two. So, York must sit and fret and bite his tongue while his own lands are bargained for and sung. There you go. And here we are at the end of another episode of Proper English. We hope you've had fun listening in on our conversation. Please tell everybody you know about us. Your friends, your family, anyone who's studying or learning English. And don't forget to like this episode and leave us a nice review and subscribe to us on your favourite podcast app. And of course you can join us on Instagram or Facebook where you can ask us any questions you might have about English grammar. So, until next time, it's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from me too. And thank you for listening to Proper English. English.